Hey, welcome to another episode of Who's Mind in the Store. I'm your host, Rudy Budani Giuliani. This is episode 11. Welcome. The numbers all go to 11. Look, right across the board. Oh. 11, oh, 11, and most of 11, and then amps go up to 10. Exactly. These go to 11. To this episode, we're going to liquefy everything and just throw the kitchen sink at you. So let's just jump into it. In some of the restaurants that I worked for, we had fountain drinks. So we use those big syrup boxes. It can be two and a half or five gallons of syrup inside. So it's basically concentrated Coke, Diet Coke, Sprite. It's a lot cheaper to sell soda that way because it's one part syrup, five times carbonated soda. So you save a lot of money. And I hated having to go buy them. Some of the jobs the company would bring them. But it could be cheaper to go to Restaurant Depot or Smart and Final and just buy the box there. But they weigh 25 to 50 pounds. So <laughs> the annoying part is that it's this box and inside the box is like a mini waterbed. So you have this plastic bag that's just constantly, you have to be really gentle with it. If you drop it too hard or if something pokes it, like spill a little bit of Coke on yourself or on your car and multiply by five. It's five times as like crazy, sticky, and rich. I have a few, can I speak with the manager stories about drinks? <laughs> drinks. Today's story is about not being hard-headed and learning how to see what's in the now, what's in front of you. This happened a few years ago. I was going into work on a Sunday. I was going into work at 3 p.m. I was working the night shifts, so three to close. I could already sense that something was going on because as I was walking in, I saw one of the busboys just kind of like quickly with his head down, just going into the kitchen and slamming the door and throwing dishes in the pile of dirty dishes. Going pinch away. I could just hear a few kind of insult Spanish words under his breath. I started saying hi to everyone and people were like, hey, yeah, what's up with that? Hey, hey, hey. I go to the front and one of the managers is just sitting there and uh, he kind of looks at me. It's like, oh, okay, you're here. Good. He grabs his stuff. All right, bye. Bye, everyone. We walk out. He's like, can you follow me? Okay, come with me. So I follow him outside and we walk to the back and he says, no matter what they tell you, do not switch the Coke. I know it's regular Coke. <sighs> what happened to it? Already like cursing in the back. Kind of weird mood in the front, party in the back. It's like, <laughs> it's like a mullet. And I think he's going to tell me something really serious. And he just goes, do not change the Coke syrup. I was like, what? What are you talking about? It's like, the Coke in there, it's regular Coke. It's not Diet Coke. I know. I took it out of the bag. The box was broken. So I just grabbed the bag and I put the bag in there. I connected it. It's regular Coke. It's not Diet Coke. Do not change it. So I thought, all right, okay. He looked at me, he's like, I don't care what the fuck they say, just keep that bag in there, okay? All right, bye, I'll see you tomorrow. He gets in the car, he leaves. I've been in that situation a lot where someone kind of says, it's my way or get out. <laughs> it's a really shitty position to be in when someone will say, it's like my way or the highway, and a lot of people are against what they're saying. And then I have to be there to hear them bitch, so I can either say, shut up or listen. So I walk back into work. And immediately, as soon as I get to the front and I go to the computer to see what sales were like, one of the servers comes up to me with a little Coke. And she goes, Julian, people keep returning this. It's not Coke. It's Diet Coke. Here, taste it. Puts it. People would always just put shit in my face. One time someone made me eat raw clams and gave me the worst like ball pain of my life. A bunch of people were putting like Cokes right in my face. I go, okay, and grab some straws. 
Then it's like, and I hate Diet Coke. Like, if I'm going to drink soda, I'll just drink regular soda. I know a lot of people will hate me for saying this. <laughs> this is the most controversial thing I'll say, but I hate Diet Coke. I hate it. I hate Diet Pepsi. I hate Diet Sprite. I don't like Diet Drinks. That's why I got that belly. So I tried all the drinks they're giving me, and they all taste like Diet Coke. And then I do the Coke and the Diet Coke, and I taste them side by side. And I'm like, it tastes exactly the same. So I start asking the busboys and the people that open, okay, where's the box of this bag? Because it was just this clear bag, and it's just a syrup. Nobody knows where the box is at. They're like, I don't know. But he probably threw it away. I go to the back. I don't see a box. Because on the box, it'll have a sticker, and it'll say Coca-Cola, Diet, Sprite. And in the bag, it's nothing. It's just a clear bag with the syrup. Again, Coke is the most popular soda. So every table, there's at least one or two people that want Coke. And as I'm trying to investigate, I just see the servers looking at me, stressed out, like Julian people ordering Cokes. And the worst part is that there's like two or three Cokes that I bought a few days ago at Restaurant Depot. And I see them sitting in the back. But in my head, I just hear the guy going, don't change it, don't fucking change it. And I know that if I change it, someone is going to tell him and it's going to be a fight in the future and i feel like so much of my fucking life is like that where i feel like in the moment there's something that feels like this is what you got to do but i, I hear these voices because i'm fucking no god but i've already been told like don't do that don't let whatever do this don't change this or that which made me waste a lot of money and time in the past 10 years because i either have to do the work myself or have to do something really stupid and use my own money to fix a mistake because nobody wants to help me. So I did the shitty, probably like people will think it's a cowardly thing, but I called the owner of the restaurant to ask him because I was like, I've already had done in the past. I've tried so many times to fix a problem where I feel like, okay, it's like who wants to be a millionaire? And it's like, okay, I got the audience. They back me up on that answer. It feels right. I do it and I get in trouble. <laughs> in one job, I remember... I told someone for corporate that someone would put their finger in girls' jeans. Like if they had a hole in their jeans, they would put their finger in the hole and like go, oh, boop. And I got in trouble. And they told that person, imagine what it's like to work with someone after you like rat them out for inappropriately touching girls. I called the owner. I didn't want to call him because he was on a Sunday. But at some point in life, you realize you need an alibi all the time and you need to check and have this system of balances with other people so i call them and i'm like hey i'm sorry to bother you but this is what's happening i came in this guy said it was regular coke but all the servers and the customers are complaining and they're saying it's diet coke and he just laughs like oh, well what do you taste i'm like well to me it tastes like diet coke too well, what does the box say there's no box it's just the bag and there's no label hmm and he said it was regular coke yeah Hmm. I don't know. Do whatever you think is right. No, God, please, no! 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 All right, bye. <laughs> and he hung up on me. I was like, fucking A. Okay. It seems stupid, right? It's like probably like two hours of being worried and like dealing with people going, can I speak with the manager? Excuse me. My son will only drink Coke and he will not eat his meal if he doesn't have a glass of Coke. So can you fix this right now? This is Diet Coke. Like you're ruining our Sunday lunch. It was really dumb because I showed up to work and I spent two hours being Sherlock Holmes about Coke or Diet Coke. The case of the Coke or Diet Coke. And so many people were upset because sometimes people go out and they'll only drink soda or they will only eat meat. 
when they go out. And now it's just like, okay, they're out with their family on a Sunday trying to enjoy something. And their son is fucking crying because it's like, it's not regular Coke, it's diet. And then you get the baby adults who are like, I don't even want my meal now. It This ruined my meal. It ruined my palate. I hate Diet Coke. I hate it. Like, I can't believe, why would you do this to me? So I spent two hours giving refunds, talking to people, offering free desserts until I finally said, fuck it, just let's change it. Like, just grab, we have three full Cokes in the back. Just bring me one. And the stupid part is that I didn't even throw away the other one. I just like, oh, yeah, let's use it for Diet Coke, right? It tastes like Diet Coke. Everyone said, except for one person, we've all agreed that it tastes like Diet Coke. So just keep it next to the Diet Coke and then just change it. And it happens in a lot of jobs where things are not fixed or resolved because people don't have the courage to stand up. And yeah, if it's one person that's being harassed or abused or taken advantage of, and everyone else just kind of looks around and is like, oh, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to be tattletale. It becomes really difficult to have a healthy team because uh, you feel like no one has your back. That story kind of shaped how I make a lot of decisions where I'm open to what people say. I try to be receptive of feedback and then I try to also check with myself. It's funny, people telling you not to do something or don't touch that, don't go there. It can create a little bit of paralysis. A few years ago, I bought this book by Jerry Seinfeld. It's called Sign Language. And I always loved the ending of it. Near the end of the book, he talks about like parental control. And he says, all fathers are intimidating. They're intimidating because they are fathers. Once a man has children for the rest of his life, his attitude is, to hell with the world. I can make my own people. I'll eat whenever I want. I'll wear whatever I want. And I'll create whoever I want. This part is really funny. He talks about the thermostat. And he says, you can't beat adult power, unlimited television, cake anytime you want. Plus, you can go home tonight and screw around with the thermostat all you like. We're in charge now. My father got me so crazy with that thing. I didn't go near thermostat until I was 28 years old. I was in a hotel room somewhere when I finally got the guts to move it a little bit. The whole night I couldn't sleep. I was afraid my father was going to burst in the door. Who touched the thermostat in here? You know I set it in there for a reason. I, I waited ears for my father to take me aside and explain to me the secret of the thermostat. And then one day he did sit me down, told me this whole story about the sperm, the egg, intercourse. I said, Dad, who cares? Get to the part where the thermostat comes in. Anytime I see a box, I think of this part of the book. To me, if life boils down to one significant thing, it's movement. Unfortunately, this means that for the rest of our lives, we're going to be looking for boxes. When you're moving, your whole world is boxes. That's all you think about. Boxes. Where are the boxes? You just wander down the street going in and out of stores. Are there boxes here? Have you seen any boxes? It's all you think about. You can't even talk to people. You can't concentrate. Will you shut up? I'm looking for boxes. After a while, you become like a bloodhound on the scent. You walk into a store. There's boxes in here. Don't tell me you don't have boxes. Damn it, I can smell them. I become obsessed. I love the smell of cardboard in the morning. You could be at a funeral. Everyone's mourning, crying around you. You're looking at the casket. That's a nice box. Does anybody know where that guy got that box? When he's done with it. You think I could get that? It's got some nice handles on it. My stereo would fit right in there. I mean, that's what death is, really. It's the last big move of your life. The hearse is like the van. Paul bears are your close friends. The only ones you could really ask to help you with a big move like that. And the casket is that great, perfect box you've been looking for your whole life. The only problem is, once you find it, you're in it. There's that famous clip of Bruce Lee where he talks about, Be like water, my friend. Formless. Shapeless. Like water. Now you put water into a cup. 
it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. And how important it is to be flexible? I have this short book called Striking Thoughts. It's basically quotes by Bruce Lee divided into different chapters. And Bruce Lee has a really interesting story. He was injured at some point and doctors told him that he would never be able to walk again, much less fight or do martial arts. He started reading a lot of philosophy, fiction, nonfiction, and someone who he really enjoyed reading was Krishnamurti, Jiro Krishnamurti. And Krishnamurti, I feel like his philosophy was a lot about rejecting all the isms. Don't become a prisoner of a system, whether it's a religion or school. Krishnamurti had an interesting life. They picked him when he was a kid to be the face of a new religion. There was this group of people that were really into science and religion, and they thought that the 20th century was going to have a new messiah, and they wanted him to be the messiah just from looking at him. There's a few documentaries about Krishnamurti where it's described how they found them, and just by looking at his eyes, they were like, oh, that's the one. So they grabbed him and his little brother. They took them to England. They educated him. They were trying to kind of, uh, they groomed him to be the perfect leader or messiah or spiritual teacher. It's funny, trying so hard to create that, it led to the opposite where he was like, no, fuck everything. And it's interesting. He talks about how when he was a kid, let's say he wanted to ride a bike with his brother. So they would force him to ride bikes every single day. Every single day for a year, you're going to ride a bike. Or it's like, oh, we want to eat some ice cream. Okay, every day you're going to eat ice cream. It created a really interesting philosophy through him. I believe that it led to him realizing everything is just kind of a temporary. And uh, the mistake comes from trying to cling to an experience. Like something good happens today. We have ice cream today. It's so delicious. Let's have ice cream tomorrow. And the next day and the next day. Or I love you, so... Where are you going to be tomorrow and the next day? And where are you Sunday night? Can we meet up and talk? And I really like people like Krishnamurti or Ramana Maharshi because it's very anti-establishment. I think that people sometimes get eaten away by the institutions or by our idols. I was having a talk with my friend recently about how opinions are like buttholes. Everyone has them and they stink. In part of this book, he talks about emotions. I like when he talks about muscular emotions and that every emotion expresses itself in the muscular system. Anxiety is tremendous excitement held, bottled up. So if you're anxious, it probably means you're just excited about something and you don't know what to do with your excitement. So you're just jittering. You got ants in your pants. Uh, anger should be expressed. Any anger that is not coming out Flowing freely will turn into sadism, power drive, stammering, and other means of torturing. So if you're angry, express it. Last episode, last episode I talked about Maya Angelou and how she said, you know, be angry, don't be bitter, and use your anger, you know, write, paint, make a song. And I think a big truth is that emotions are both positive and negative. Realizing that my emotions are both positive and negative, I will form daily habits, which will encourage the development of positive emotions and aid me in converting the negative emotions into some form of useful action. Let's say that again. I will form daily habits which will encourage me to develop positive emotions, 
and aid me into converting the negative emotions into some form of useful action. It can be hard to take anger or you know, depression or self-pity and try to create something better out of it. Right? That's why we have art to be able to express those emotions. Like It's part of being a human. He also talks about happiness and having simple pleasures. Like he says he likes the light rain, that it's very calm and peaceful. It's good to know when you're not flexible in your life and learning when you need to change because you can change jobs, relationships, friends, habits. But at some point, it's you. You get Wherever you go, there you are. So you can go to Rome, but if you're a shitty, <laughs> you're taking your shitty self to Rome and sometimes it helps if you change the environment your state will change for a bit there comes a point where you get old enough and you realize everything in your life is a mirror of you so if you think everyone's a fucking idiot and annoying maybe you're that way if you think uh plant good seeds i was watching a video yesterday about building good habits and this guy talks about journaling and uh, exercising every day, trying to read, use less social media, not being stuck to your phone for hours. And one of the most interesting ones that he mentioned that I've done on and off for the last few years, when he makes food, he will give the other person the better plate. And he kind of goes into it about, you know, when you're making food for maybe two, three, four people, you always see that maybe there's a plate that looks the best, either presentation or a little more food and he says if you notice that one of the plates or one of the drinks is better give the other person that drink it's similar to kind of the Bhagavad Gita where it talks about anything you do do it as if you're doing it for God so I'll do it a lot if I'm cooking for people where I'll give the other person the bigger portion or the nicer looking plate yeah give the other person the better plate Ramdas always talks about everyone being God in drag so whoever you're in your house if you get pulled over by the police it's not some guy or your daughter or your co-worker it's actually god or krishna or whatever the source the atman this weekend podcast is a spiritual episode about how we're all god it's that golden rule do unto others as you would like others to do unto you and i feel like when is it more important to make the right decision than when no one's looking there's a part of Be Here Now where it talks about the story of a monk gives two people a chicken and he's like, all right, take this chicken and kill it where no one can see it. So one of the guys goes to the back, kills the chicken, gives it back, he's like, all right, here's the chicken. And the other guy gets the chicken and he goes around everywhere. He gets in behind a bush. He goes in behind a tree and hours go by and finally he comes back. And the monk's like, what happened? Why didn't you kill the chicken? And the guy says, well, everywhere I, I went, the chicken was there looking at me. We're all really smart nowadays because we have so much information and knowledge that we really want to know the whys and the hows behind actions and things that are going on. Like, why are you doing it? And how are you doing? Is it grass-fed? Is it non-GMO? There's a YouTube creator, Ethan, not Ethan Klein. Ethan, I think it's... Klebowski or Chabowski, Ethan Bukowski. And he does cooking videos similar to Joshua Weissman. And two years ago, he had moved to Mexico City for five weeks. I went down to Mexico City for five weeks 
um, and made some videos while I was down there, just set up with one base for the whole, you know, five weeks. And a great example of that is the Poblano con queso taco video. So, and he made a lot of videos cooking food from Mexico City, going to markets nearby, showing you like, oh, for 10 bucks, I can cook this over here compared to in his last video, it was a Q&A about how he moved to Paris. So life update, I moved to Paris, France. My kitchen is quite literally in this box. Um, we've got a lot to talk about, so let's go inside. He said he saw a lot of growth in his channel in the last month and a half, and he felt inspired to move. He, he said, I got my full kitchen here, and yeah, I'm gonna cook in Paris, see what it's like. Obviously, there's a lot of differences in what's available, and there's another YouTube creator named Alex, and he lives in Paris, so he talks about, oh, maybe we'll collab and do a video together. It was really inspiring, because he's been doing videos for many years, and at the end, he talks about, if you're making content, just be consistent with it. Like, you're gonna get better, you just have to keep doing it. But whatever it is, just be consistent with it, because if you consistently do something, you will find ways to make it better. You'll find things that work and that don't work. And then the second thing that I would really say to Honine on is, why, ask yourself, why is my content going to be valuable to a viewer to watch? Are they going to be entertained? Are they going to learn something? Are they going to be inspired by something, you know, that I am creating? I'm very curious to see what videos he's going to make and how living in Paris is going to inspire the type of food he uses, maybe, maybe some techniques that he sees around or he gets inspired by a dish at a restaurant or cafe where he's going to be living. And that's what's really cool about YouTube and the internet, being able to see people pursue their dreams and uh, yeah, how it pays off. It's really, it's really cool. I didn't love a lot of podcasts I listened to this week. Uh, Two Bears, One Cave with Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura. It felt a little boring, especially the end where all their, they just, they're just going through Instagram talking about popular videos and how a lot of popular videos are just half-naked girls playing golf or super buff guys playing sports. I did enjoy this week's Tiger Belly with Akash Singh. I mentioned him a few episodes ago. He recently released a YouTube special. He also has a podcast with Andrew Schultz. Really interesting guy. Uh, I think podcasting is fun because if you listen to someone in a lot of different podcasts, you find a lot of stuff about their life. At some point, they talk about Carlos Mencia, who's a, he's now famously known for being a joke thief. Basically, he would take bits from other comedians and rework them. Not basically, he says, no, I, and I'm, his, I'm attitude, his attitude was this, like, yeah, I fucking steal. If I'm in the back of the fucking room, you better watch your fucking material because yeah, I'll take yeah. it, remix it, and make it a hit. Just like, like a rap guy. I'll add Mexican and I'm going, to it. Well, that means somebody is old royalties, and somebody, <laughs> you made a lot of money mm -hmm. off of these these people that you steal from. But he's justifying by saying if rap artists could take someone's like old they song and make it. it. So if it was about a comedian who's black or Asian, he would just switch it up and make it about Mexican. Or if it was something about going to the zoo, instead of whatever, a monkey, it would be about a giraffe. A remix jokes, but basically he's not liked in the comedy community. When you brought on Mencia? Uh-huh. That was you were in fucking rare form. Yeah, yeah that that was that was you a difficult. That was no, difficult. no, no. You were fucking great. That you was, were great. Yeah. I remember you thinking you were a great balance that. of him. Yeah, and you went in and you weren't you weren't mean, but you also didn't let him slide on bullshit because he was a bully. And although he helped a lot of comedians like Bobby Lee, Bobby always talks about how Carlos Mencia 
helped him financially and gave him a lot of gigs. I love that guy. You know, he's so talented. Yeah. You know what I mean? In his way. Yes. You know, um, you know, there are people that are just at sight that are great performers and great writers. He's more of a performer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's just say that. He's more of a performer. He's one of the best performers I've ever seen. They talk about how just get joke writers. Don't steal jokes if you can't write or don't want to write jokes. Hire people to write your jokes, but don't go to the comedy store and then just, you know, hear someone's bid and be like, okay, how could I rework that and make it into my own? And Bobby had Carlos Mencia in an episode of Tiger Belly and they confronted him about it. Like, you know, just acknowledge it and apologize. If you say, yeah, I think, you know, I stole those jokes. Maybe I didn't think about it. I'm sorry. I just want to move forward. But he will not apologize. He... <laughs> He will die saying that he didn't steal those jokes. To continue with the metaphysical theme, at some point they talk about the soul and Akash, what they believe. They talk about, you know, I believe in the soul and that everything else is an illusion, like our clothes and all this other stuff is Maya. Maya is a term for illusion in the world. Good. Yeah. yeah. So are you religious? I am. I'm Hindu. This is great because now I, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know. Here's a weird thing about me. I know I can be smart in a conversation, and if you say something, I can ask questions and be inquisitive. Mm. If you tell me information, I will forget it within a day. Yeah, but so I'll read about Hinduism all the time. I'll read whatever, and then I'll forget all of it. So I don't know enough about my religion, but I believe very strongly in God. So is Hinduism closely related to? And don't please don't. It's okay. I don't. Care. All right. We're okay. Buddhism. Safe space. Buddhism came from Hinduism. The ideas are similar. The, right. the idea of Hinduism on a macro level, as far as I know, and I could be wrong, you probably don't have any Indian, anybody <laughs> who cares, but is uh, the soul is not attached to any of this shit. Like the clothes I'm wearing, the shoes I'm wearing, that's all nonsense. And the, the purpose of life is to get in touch with your soul and reach nirvana. Right. And then that is, all this other stuff is called Maya. It's like an illusion, like the Matrix. Yeah. It's like, of, so like detachment from a physical, like... From material. Material things, And then getting right? in touch with the soul and meditating. And when you're meditating, to be in the silence, mm -hmm. right? To get to the pure silence of your mind and your soul. Hmm. And that's when you reach Nirvana? Yeah, it's called the Atman, it was the soul, and it's like the God within. So you get in touch with that, and that's elevation. And that's when you break the reincarnation cycle and you go to heaven. Wow. So I, see, this line of thinking is sort of w what I've kind of always lived my life. I actually believe that. Yeah, because I've always been into like, I remember even as a young guy, I went to the Chopra Center, remember I told you, to, I thought I was going to meet Deepak Chopra, or I would, you know. And you're in, very into Ram Dass. Yeah, I'm really into Ram Dass, I'm really into meditation, I'm really into like, you know, not the crystals and, 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 the and maybe that our purpose in this life is to realize the soul, also known as the Atman. Bobby talks about that he believes in that too, even though Bobby talks about how he had gone to the Deepak Chopra Center years ago and how it influenced him, but not like the crystals and all that other stuff, but just the maybe the philosophical aspect of uh, getting to know your true self or you know whatever it may mean to you. They also talk about silence. I talk about silence with my little brother once in a while because so many people are terrified to just be quiet, to be still. It's really hard to just be in silence because all these thoughts immediately show up in your head and a lot of times they're negative or stressful. I think that if you hate silence, you definitely need it in your life. I know there's a there's a meditation teacher that talks about you should meditate 
15 minutes every day. If you don't have 15 minutes to meditate every day, you should meditate for 30 minutes every day. To me, it sounds like how to make up for the fact that maybe we've been so unmindful that in order to make up for how absent-minded we've been as a society, the last few years have been like, stop, sit down, pay attention, look at all these horrible things around the world. How do we make them better? I had a really good talk with one of my friends recently about the war and a lot of injustices around the world and how we should be illuminating positive things and mindfulness and ways to help each other go up and give each other strategies and stories and thoughts that will help us move forward. So today we have two questions. Number one, Coke or Diet Coke? And question number two, do you set any time in your week to just be alone in silence? No music, no noises, no meditation guidance, just you alone, quiet, not sleeping, not taking a nap. Do you ever take time to just kind of sit there? Hope you guys had a good weekend. I'll see you again on Wednesday. Peace out. Bye.